Good morning, everyone. You ain't stopping at this hotel, kid. Uh, My hotel. The stars at night, I put them there. And I know the president's all of them. Sorry. No, no. Because uh, Welcome back to another episode of the Waffle Press Retrospective. We're back in season two of the failed blockbusters. Uh, the first four episodes are available. All right, now go, go check them out. Also, the entire first season, go check it out. Now, that quote you just said, for as long as I've known you through the power of social media and the internet, that has been your pin tweet. All this video from Emperor of the North from the scene where Lee Marvin berates the young David Carradine. And if you want to know like how well loved this movie is on YouTube, um, that's the best clip I could find of that scene. And it's someone just pointing a camera at their TV screen. Yep. And you can't find a lot of Emperor of the North out there um which is a little sad yeah which is also why i'm going to direct everyone to the internet archive the well it's in the name it's the internet archive it's about a bunch of you can get a bunch of files books newspapers movies tv shows uh available uh from your thing from your fingertips you just click away at the keyboard and the internet archive has uh probably has a copy of something for you especially stuff that is not really available anywhere else yeah some some fucking chuds saw it as like piracy and it's like no it's just an archive of it's a library on the online internet. it's a yes. library right? yeah is what it is and some oh. people were like oh, you just fucking it's it's illegal and it's like no it's not shut up chuck wendig you fucking clown yeah. um but anyways that's how i saw emperor of the north for the first time and you can also find the original cut of Star Wars on there, believe it or not. <laughs> really? I didn't know that. I was scrolling through and I saw it listed as one of them. Yeah, look, before we get into Emperor of the North, then, let's, let's, let's fucking just say our piece on that. Because I feel like I, I need to get it out of my system. There's nothing wrong with changing stuff, especially with like the artist's intention behind it, right? Uh, I believe even uh, Wong Kar Wai has, has gone on to change uh, elements of films like Fallen Angels and Chunking Express in their 4K uh, recent releases. Um, those end credits to Chunking Express are now very jarring because they're very 2021. Mm. And the rest of the film is decidedly and importantly not. Um, but whatever, as long as the original versions are still available, that's fine. Uh, and you, I, as far as I know, you can still obtain those original versions. Star Wars, you, you kind of can't unless you have the DVDs, which I do. Or the um, laser discs. Or the laser discs. Or VHS tapes. Or VHS, yeah. Um, or Betamax. Or Betamax, yeah. And I think it's just like there's artistic integrity and then there's also like just historical integrity. You know, it's important to keep stuff like alive. And if no one else is doing it, uh, sometimes you got to do it yourself. That's, I'm going to throw this all. out there. It's, this might be George Lucas slander, so I apologize. Yeah, he I is our like, boy. But... I would like someone. It might not be after this but i would like someone to correct me on this if it's not true i've read in a few places that part of the reason why george lucas actually went in and like redid the star wars prequel i mean original trilogy as extreme as he did was in like a convoluted way to screw his ex-wife out of royalties because she's the credited editor on the original cuts ah i believe we had brought that up in the original star wars retrospective yeah 
and it, it seems like a wild internet rumor it's hard to find any sources on it but it's intru- it's you know Luke's a weird guy Luke yeah he's a very strange guy um but yeah you know it sucks that they're not available but uh hey you know that's not what we're here to talk about though. we're not here to talk we're about here to that. talk about emperor of the north also known as emperor of the north pole yes that's uh, how it was originally released yeah uh, a 1973 American action adventure film. That's how it's <laughs> referred to on the Wikipedia. Sure. Directed by Robert Aldrich. Mm-hmm. Matt, I know you love Robert Aldrich. Big fan. Big fan of Robert Aldrich. Is this your favorite of his? Um, it might be. I mean, I don't know. It's like because he's also got like he's got fucking the dirty dozen, you know, like hush hush, sweet Charlotte. Like he's got the big knife. Longest Yard, which I, like he's got a he's got a few movies that I fucking love, and I think Emperor of the North might just be my favorite, just out of like a, a like a personal feeling, you know, like this one mm-hmm. I just kind of vibe with a lot. Although I think Thirty Dozen is a better movie, you know. Um, but have I told you my my dark secret about that movie? Which one, Dirty Dozen? Yeah. Um, I don't think so. Okay. When I first saw it, I was like 18. And I was like, I don't, what, what is this? <laughs> I thought it was going to be like some badass man on a mission movie. And like, I just couldn't connect with it. And to this day, having obviously rewatched it a bunch of times since then, I don't know why I didn't like it when I first saw it. <laughs> I, you know what? It seems to be a common response. People don't respond super strongly to the Dirty Dozen. Um, and I don't really know. I think it's just that Robert Aldrich isn't like a super showy director, you know? That, you know like, what? That might be it. I, I think, which I, I like, the older I get, the more I appreciate like just kind of subtle, like more classic filmmakers like that just do very basic economic shots. But they just do it better than anyone, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, like I mean, ha- what's what's that one fucking saying? It's like, you know, you you want like it's about magic tricks, or something like that. It's like you want to fool the audience, but you don't want them to know they're being fooled, you know? Yeah. And yeah. it's like directors like Robert Aldrich, whose work I have not seen the entirety of. Let me just say I've only seen Dirty Dozen, Kiss Me Deadly, Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, The Longest Yard. Uh, I haven't even seen the original Flight of the Phoenix, but I have seen the remake. Oh God! Yeah, um, I remember thinking that one was okay, but not like, and I've never gone back to it since I saw it on DVD. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, like, you know, uh, and now Emperor of the North. So it's only a handful, but you know, part of his power is like as a director is absolutely what you're saying, like the staging of the scenes, stuff like that, and they are like economic is a good way of putting it. They're not like immediately thrilling. But you get like every little bit of of like story necessary from what you're seeing and hearing yeah. on screen. So like I think of like the moment when like Ernest Borgnine is like fucking berating that dude for not he thinks like we're oh, not yeah. taking part of the train when the train's on fire. Everyone else is trying to put out the fire behind him. The fire's still raging, and it's like it's not like it's just flashes. Borgnine's face. Like yeah. it's Borgnine's face in the frame. Like it's wild. Like, yeah, no, no, no I'm not even talking about like the wide shot of mm. that. Like it's not the flashiest way to shoot that but it's like okay that's that's the story for this mm. train conductor right there yeah it uh, uh this movie rules is this what is I'm a, saying. yeah it's great so if you haven't seen it go check it out on archive.org or whatever 
Um, I think that's the URL. I'll link it. I'll link it in, yeah, in the yeah. show notes because, like, um, yeah. Go, also, yeah, uh, donate to them if they're taking donations. Yes, exactly. I think they're always taking donations. Yeah, I can't so. imagine why. Yeah, um, I think that I think uh, some asshats are maybe trying to sue them, um, which is the exact opposite thing you want to do, given the current climate. Yeah, <laughs> um, but uh some some liberals need to get their priorities together uh but just go um, out and vote hey sorry um, <laughs> we gotta vote shack off this train <laughs> yeah that's the only way we're gonna do it that's the only way we're gonna do it um but also i was gonna say like so he like oldrich i wouldn't say is like super showy but talking about a showy director tony scott it you can tell he lifted shots directly from this movie for unstoppable yeah like the way the train is shot especially like like the wide shots and stuff like that it's it's just this a lot of the time so there's a guy who just took those pieces and then like exploded it um so there's two ways to do it i guess is what i'm saying yeah yeah um but uh no this is a fucking i'm glad you liked it i wasn't sure how it would play because it is one of those things where like i feel like i'm the only one out there going like the dirty dozen is like almost a perfect movie (laughs) And I, I, people out there are kind of like, yeah, it's all right, but you know, what's so, what's so good about it? And then I'm out here, this one, I found some people like, this feels like the one that when people find it, they champion it, you know, mm-hmm. that they're like, no, this is actually really great. Um, was not a critical hit in its time. Or a box office hit. Or a box office, which is why it's here. <laughs> yeah. It's technically like everyone kind of contributes Jaws to being like the film that created the blockbuster so this is like we're kind of cheating a little bit mm-hmm. but whatever it, it, i mean no it, there's the, the yeah. qualifications still count yeah if it didn't make money it, it's it's a failed blockbuster as far as i'm concerned yeah there you go so uh <laughs> no pacific rim unfortunately mm. uh maybe next year maybe next year i mean it did make enough to get it, it made oh money. yeah it did it did make money but it also yeah. was like a weird like i don't know you could argue that it should be on the list I, I would like. absolutely argue that. And then I'd talk about Guillermo del Toro's brilliant idea for the sequel that when I heard it, I was like, oh shit, I had something like that planned for something. So <laughs> we'll I mean, just steal game it. recognized game. They didn't do saying. it. They didn't do it. So you uh, can still yep, do it. Yep, yep. Um, uh, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at the Dirty Dozen on Letterboxd right now and it's like, most people gave it like four stars and then it's like a three, a bunch of threes and then like a few twos. And I'm like, no, that's a fucking perfect movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know, but I, I like I don't know. Um, I don't know why people. It also it just doesn't feel like Aldrich has talked a lot these days, aside from like "Kiss Me Deadly" or whatever happened to Baby Jane, you know, mm-hmm. like those two, because I think they're a little different. Whereas you know, no one's talking about Veracruz <laughs> or even the Longest Yard, which is like kind of an important movie. Like that kind of is like leads to like the vulgarity of cinema changing in the 70s mm-hmm. and i think more people know the adam sandler remake yeah right now so um yeah i'm glad you liked it i guess is what i'm saying yeah uh matt what's the movie actually about um all right it's the height of the great it has a great opening crawl about like, it being the fucking... height of, of the great it makes depression. you feel fucking like epic yeah, it's like, no, you don't understand. fucking stand. It's the fucking emperor of the north. Like. <laughs> and then, I guess it has this great opening crawl about it being the height of the Great Depression. And then it goes into, 
what might be the worst theme song for any movie. Yeah, what what happened there? <laughs> no idea. Um, who's uh, written by uh, Frankie Devon and sung by lyrics by Hal David? Um, let me look up the lyrics because it's really terrible. I just want to get the lyrics out there real quick. Yeah, I, I was like, oh no. <laughs> yeah, it, is, it was one of those where it's just like, maybe that's why people don't like it because that's a really bad note to start on. Yeah. Also, a I man, said David, wait, really quick. I said David Carradine earlier. I, I oh yeah, it's Keith, Keith Carradine. That's, Keith the, Carradine. that's the other one. Yes, I missed it. So we both yeah. fucked up. All right, a man and a train. A train and a man. They both tire to run as hard and as fast as they can. God, that's clunky. <laughs> But a man's not a train, and a train's not a man. <laughs> a man can do things that a train never can. <laughs> That's the opening line. <laughs> well, you know, it's, uh, it's like, I guess it's not wrong. Yeah. So it's the height of the Great Depression, and it's hobos are, you know, they got to ride the rails to get places. And now the, I, I think something maybe the movie misses on a little bit, or maybe they just weren't interested in telling, is that hobos weren't just riding the rails to like just fuck around and go places they they had to that was their only way to get to jobs Mm -hmm. they had no other options in the 30s to get across the country because they're hobos and they're fucking broke so that's why they ride the rails and there's train number 19 which is run by Shaq, who just he fucking hates hobos and the opening of this movie is him just beating a man with a hammer, a hobo that hops on a train with a hammer and then letting him fall under the train and get crushed to death. So that's that's the opening. Yeah, that's that, kind of brutal. Very brutal opening. And then we get opening credits. So there's why was the song here? <laughs> Maybe it was like a way or an attempt to like alleviate some of the tension because Ernest Borgnine uh, and leave Marvin to his credit. They're Play, like, both excellent, super crazy intense. people. Yeah, yeah, and like Ernest Borgnine has like cartoonishly like bloodthirsty eyes as he's beating mm-hmm. this dude down the the onto the the train tracks. So maybe they're like, okay, let's let let's let everyone know that we're trying to make a good time here. Yeah, you know, weird weird note to start on. Very weird. Literally, apart from that theme song, <laughs> it's all fine though. It's all good. Yeah, um, and so. Our main character, though, is Lee Marvin as A number one. Who is the greatest uh, hobo of them all. The greatest hobo of them all. And it's basically about him and Keith Carradine and their challenge to ride Shaq's train all the way to Portland. And if you can ride Shaq's train and live, then you'll be Emperor of the North Pole, which is the which is an actual term that hobos used to use, I guess, which it's like poking fun at, like, if you're the world's greatest hobo, you don't actually rule anything, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, there is no emperor of the North Pole, of course. Yeah. Uh, good, good, good hobo stuff. A lot of hobo, uh, what, what should it, what should the term be? I feel like hobo should be an aesthetic. Maybe and it can be, maybe that's the next TikTok trend. Hobo punk, there we go. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a very hobo punk movie. Yeah. Uh, it may have invented the hope. Well, that's not true. No, no, that's not true. There's, you know, there's, there's like the tramp and shit like that. Although yeah. Angel Lincoln points out there's, cause I actually, I was trying to look up what the origin of the word hobo was, and there's no like definitive answer on it. 
like no one knows where the word hobo really came from um i think it might come from like hoboy which is like a term that relates to farmhand Mm. um but there or homeward bound but like there's no one can really figure it out but hl mencken uh wrote in his book american language in 1937 um tramps and hobos are commonly lumped together but in their own sight, they are sharply differentiated. A hobo or beau is simply a migratory laborer. He may take some longish holidays, but soon or late, he returns to work. A tramp never works if it can be avoided. He simply travels. Lower than either is the bum who neither works nor travels, <laughs> save when impelled to motion by the police. Goodness. So... There's, a, there's some history for you. All right. Well, th- thank you for sharing that. <laughs> uh, something else I want to talk about is that the, the pacing of a movie like this is very different than what we're used to now. Yeah. And I think, you know, to go back to The Dirty Dozen, that's also something that kind of threw me off. Like, yeah. you mentioned that a recent film maybe could have used this. I don't agree or disagree. I thought it was an interesting point. But where uh, the first half of Dirty Dozen is like 90 minutes of like training and set up for a mission they're about to go on. Mm-hmm. The finale is the mission. And that's like kind of, that's kind of it. And yeah. it, I think it works. And Emperor of the North Pole, uh, the actual like, I guess like trial by train mm-hmm. uh, doesn't like, it's not even like brought up until like 45 minutes into the movie. Yeah, it takes a little while to get there. Yeah. Um, but and that's what I like about it. I like the I, I do pacing. Too. I don't yeah, know yeah, why yeah. it's fallen out of style. Um, well, because third acts, you have to leave the audience on like a big high and you got to have a huge finale. Yeah, but and you can still like, do that. I know, you st- I know, but people think like, oh, it's got to be like 30 to 45 minutes long. Your climax has to have everything in it. It's like, if you have everything, you have nothing. Mm. And this is like, the actual like third act of this movie is like 20 minutes long yeah and it's terrific you know it's like the first act is like the longest at about like 50 minutes maybe maybe even yeah yeah yeah. and then like you got uh, another half hour of of the second act stuff with the actual like uh competition on the train and then you know climax and resolutions like maybe two minutes i like long first acts i think it's a thing i do too like I mean, I love that, like, that's why The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly is one of my favorite movies, because it literally takes an hour for the plot of that movie to actually start. Mm-hmm. But you're still but, getting character stuff, and I think yeah. that's, like, what people think is, like, you can only do that, like, through rudimentary, like, plot mechanics, you know? It's like, oh, well, you have to... Well, I think it's people... that writer's, writer's king studio bullshit of, like, you have to know what the movie's about 15 minutes in. Yeah, like, and, is, like, I get right now why people can't really push back against that. There's no real, like, new creatives who have that kind of power, and that's nothing against the actual creatives working right now. It's just the way the industry is, like, like built against them. I'm sure mm-hmm. there are plenty of people that want to do different things. Yeah, but things. also, a lot of the people that are that very much pride themselves on being writers, people I like will kind of repeat that, that sort of mentality, you mm-hmm. know? Um, I mean, the movie you were referring to, um was james gunn's the suicide squad yes and i have problems with both suicide squads i think they both fail in that regard of just being a remake of the dirty dozen his is definitely much better his is at least a coherent film you know Mm -hmm. i just it like i just don't understand why we're doing these men on a mission movies that 
that, that don't at least imply they've been training together. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, because, uh, you know, another uh, like a, a fan, a clear fan of Men on a Mission movies is Tarantino. And in Glorious Bastards, we get the introduction to the Bastards and then we just cut ahead to them already kind of like a year into their guerrilla warfare, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it's, you can do, you can do that. You don't have to show the training. But movies are so much like, no, we're all going to get to know each other on the mission. And it's like, no, don't do that. Like, it's, I don't under, like, that just, it never works for me, you know? Unless you're, unless it's a, like, I always call it like a D&D story of, like, you get like you're in a tavern and a fight breaks out and all these people have to team up for some reason, you know? Yeah. And that leads yeah. to the mission. And then of course you're going to learn who everyone is on the trip in that instance. But if you're literally like, we got to put a team together, it's like everyone should have known each other's backstory by the time they got to the Island. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I don't know. It, it just bugs me that it, it feels like something that a studios push back against and B writers don't even want to do. Um, because Suicide Squad definitely felt like James Gunn had like a blank check basically like could just do whatever he wanted because like no one stopped him on that fucking movie (laughs) yeah and I I still really like that movie I definitely think it's probably the weakest of his films yeah it's Um, just it you know it's the James Gunn's moments are good it's just not as well put together I feel yeah yeah um and I'm going to use this instance to also uh continue recommending peacemaker to you because that oh, yeah. is like by the end that's like another level of everyone of seems work. to like peacemaker and people that won't don't like james gunn so yeah um, i, gotta check I, I think you'll really really like it especially mm-hmm. by the end uh, just uh just throwing that out there mm-hmm. but anyways emperor of the north peacemaker is not emperor of the north what would, is emperor of Shaq. the north what is emperor of the north well I disagree that it's an action adventure film. <laughs> it is. It is definitely like one of those like proto action movies, though. Yes. Like it's. Yes, definitely... it is. I mean, like even the narrative, like the very idea of like hanging a story like this on a train, like where's the train going? It's like going nowhere, but mm-hmm. people feel the need to like have control over their own agency and like the world around them, and it's like it's a story about capitalism. Yeah, I mean, that's well, why it takes place in the nineteen thirties. <laughs> trains are often just a great metaphor for capitalism yeah. like it's they, they just they really work in that way but also uh hobos are like like if you make a movie about hobos your film becomes like inherently political you yeah. know which is i guess the reason why we don't see too many homeless characters in cinema mm-hmm. um even though they see it, it it feels like you go back you know the fucking charlie chaplin and shit like <laughs> it, they used to be all over cinema <laughs> And yeah. they used to be everywhere and like lovable bums and shit like that. And now they're just completely gone because we're terrified of homeless and mentally ill people. And uh, frankly, again, people don't want to make political movies or rather studios don't want to make too many political movies. It, it feels, here's the thing though. It feels like a hobo is like a great way to sneak in a political message, you know, mm-hmm. like, cause you're, you're not going like, yeah, and this is about, you know, fucking how California has really anti-homeless architecture or something, right? Like, <laughs> you're not, you're not like, you don't have to be open about that. You just go like, it's about a hobo. Let, we got to figure out how this guy fucking lives, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, of course he's going to fight a cop at one point. Like, Oh, yeah, that was terrific. Mm-hmm. Lee Marvin, I, that's the other thing. People talk about the opening of this movie because it's like the, a terrible song 
Ernest Borgnine beats a guy to death. And then uh, Lee Marvin beats children with like a turkey. <laughs> it's a chicken. Oh yeah, chicken the I first time around. <laughs> was in heaven. It's it's a great like first 10 minutes of this movie. Oh my God, I couldn't believe it. I was like, is the whole movie going to be like this? And like, <laughs> uh, yes and no. Like it's yeah. not just like a zany, wacky adventure. Like it has many things on its mind and it's very fucking well directed. But once I saw Lee Marvin smack a child with a chicken, mm-hmm. I knew I, I, I was going to enjoy like at least most of it. And I enjoyed yeah. all of it. Yes. We're saying I'm talking about uh, talking about the weird reception of this movie. It, it got bad reviews in its day. Ebert gave it two and a half and Siskel gave it one and a half stars. I saw that. And uh, it's funny to read their reviews and they're both like, it's, it's got a lot of energy, but it's just like, the, the, it's like, what is, what are we supposed to care about? The violence is pointless. And then you read Tarantino who wrote a review recently and he was reviewing something else, but he brought up Emperor of the North and his whole take is that the movie's actually too sentimental and not violent enough. That's weird. I disagree with all three of those people. <laughs> I know, you know, I, I will say like, I get the kind of like, it might get a little too sentimental in certain areas. I think like it, it does kind of paint like hobo culture a little too like broadly like positive i guess is what mm. i'm saying and but it understandably they're the heroes of the movie um but it's a they're a little one note you know uh but i you know i don't know i i just i don't agree in its totality <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah i i guess like because uh tarantino also mentions like let me let me just read a quick excerpt um mm. Theoretically, Aldrich should have been perfect for Emperor of the North, but instead of the muscular, rusty claw hammer type direction you'd expect from the big man, I like that he calls him the big man, uh, Aldrich gives him the corny 30s theatrics. Like, I guess, you know what, maybe the, that's kind of like the, the theatrical nature of um, some of the performances that he gets. Mm-hmm. is maybe what kind of put me off the Dirty Dozen originally. I just wasn't watching a lot of movies like that at the time, and I, I it's very different from acting now. That's neither a good or bad thing. It just is. And there's no I, Lee Marvin today. Yeah. Right? There's yeah. no equivalent. To, or Borgnine. Like, yeah, which I think even Tarantino said at one point, he's like, there's no Lee Marvin. Everyone looks too pretty or whatever the fuck. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's it, people are just different. They change. It's fine. That's not, I, I don't agree with that as a criticism. It is a fact, though, that there, it's just different now you know it's, it's it is kind of sad that you just don't see movies with guys who look like they've fucking been hit in the face a few times <laughs> yeah you know ben affleck now i think that's why i genuinely like love him that's like, why i'm realizing I, that i i love ben affleck he looks like every day is like a struggle to get out of bed for him yeah and i think that's beautiful i think it's the appeal of affleck i think it's the appeal of adam sandler i think it's the appeal of big russell crowe <laughs> yeah um and i think it's the appeal of big brendan frazier like oh brendan yeah frazier, like he just has a presence now you know and I, I i'm not like discounting his earlier work you know like mm-hmm. but it's like now like late era him is just like really fascinating yeah i just rewatched no sudden move and fuck man he's so good i know he's so good in that yeah um it's gonna be in scorsese's next movie i wait. know killers of the flower moon yeah comes out this year supposedly 
we'll, we'll see about that. But, we'll see. We'll see. But and then uh, I'll finally have to get an uh, Apple subscription or whatever, Apple TV. Yeah, you, they got a Ted Lasso, which oh, I still have boy. to write about. <laughs> it feels like though that like of the streaming services, I feel like the most quality stuff seems to be coming out of Apple. Like, yeah, I don't know what it is, but their shit actually looks like good too. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's a lot of great shows I like that sometimes look like shit. Are you telling me that the company they, they don't that, look like they're graded or anything like that? You know, are you telling me the company that makes a bunch of products that look really cool and fancy but actually run like shit are are good at making good looking streaming films? Yes. <laughs> well, here's the thing: I actually haven't seen any of the films. I don't think. Yeah, neither have I. I just it just feels like people are kind of like people that have Apple TV subscriptions are always out there being like. Actually, they got like a great selection <laughs> mm-hmm. and they aren't like constantly flooding the market either. You know, like you're not like yeah. overwhelmed with the amount of choices. Uh, the shows look really good, too. Like I haven't seen Foundation, mm-hmm. um, but Did Foundation like, get canceled. Is no, it no, like, it's on season. Or, it's going to get a season two. OK. Yeah. But that show looked like amazing in the trailer. It just feels like, like, it, it Foundation, looks like a movie. It just feels like Foundation might be impossible to adapt. But, sure, but I don't know the source material either. And it is uh, a show by David Goyer. I think he's showrunning it. So, mm. like, who knows? Um, I've heard it's at least compelling. So, all right. Yeah. I'll have to check it out. Emperor of the North Emperor. could be a six part streaming series. Event. See, that would be the fucking thing. Like, <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think this is the type of thing that gets it. I think this is the type of thing that, no, like, but no, the only way you can get this type of story made is if it is a mini series, but the problem would be about the same amount of shit would happen except stretched over six episodes. Mm-hmm. Like that would be the big mistake. Did you watch Obi-Wan? Yeah. Um, I have not. I, I didn't either. Obi-Wan. Unrelated yeah. to anything we're talking about, obviously. <laughs> See, that's what that fucking show should have been. Emperor of the North. Yeah. Emperor of Tatooine. <laughs> like, that actually makes sense. Anakin, you aren't stopping this hotel, kid. <laughs> no, but the term Emperor of Tatooine makes sense. Because who the fuck would want to rule Tatooine? Job of the Hut. Yeah, but like he's a no, no, I know, but like yeah, that was a joke, but like there is like commentary with all the Tatooine stuff. And that, there are you know. hover trains in the Star Trek, a uh, Star Wars universe. So could have totally worked. Anakin, my loyalty is to the hobos, to democracy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, there you go. Ewan McGregor could be like, uh, no, he, maybe not Lee Marvin, but he now, he's, did he's you see got, him? Like, untapped potential. Did you see him Fargo season three? No, but... he, he he looks wild. Like he could totally pull off a like hobo type performance. Oh fuck yeah! But, yeah, I'm I'm a fan. I'm a big fan. I am too. It's a shame about whatever. Uh, well, I hear he's good in, in Obi Wan. I hear people yeah. like no one like hated it except for like those weird nerds, you know. But yeah, you know, uh, well, yeah, it's so ruined. That's, it's that's Star Wars conversation. It's that's, ruined Star Wars, Diego. Everything ruins Star ruined, Wars, which makes it about the seventeenth time in Star Wars history <laughs> that Star Wars has been ruined beyond repair. Yeah, interesting. Uh, ask ask like the kids that are growing up with Star Wars right now, and I bet they don't have that same response. And I'm willing to bet. They even like having a show to tune into once in a while. Yeah. Who knows? Sometimes stuff's not for you. It is kind of hysterical that like everyone now is like, like is just like falling over themselves to be like the Clone Wars are like a masterpiece of a show, which like I like the Clone Wars, but I didn't love it. You know, like I'm not like over the moon about it. But like when that shit came out, people were irate. Like Mm -hmm. it's just that's the Star Wars arc, I guess. 
and the fact that no one points it out like drives me nuts <laughs> yeah uh but you know nothing, what is for everyone is mm. emperor of the north yes um what what's have you what's... read aldrich's comments about it being a box office failure uh no i have not actually all right he said after release that he'll never understand why it happened because <laughs> here's his full quote i thought the symbols were so clear it never occurred to me that the audience would miss the relationship that Bornine was the establishment marvin was the anti-establishment individualistic character and that keith carradine was the opportunistic youth who would sell out for whatever was most convenient i never thought people wouldn't root for the marvin character i thought everyone would say i understand what marvin is He's not trying to be regimented and suppressed and denied his rights, and I'm for him. And nobody was. It just didn't happen. Nobody cared. Hey, that's an interesting take on this movie. Yeah. Um, it's almost like he called the Reagan era. Oh, well, maybe that's why people like were turned off by it originally, too, you know? Hmm. Maybe, because, like, I mean, well, this is like the 70s. It's, the 70s are so weird, because it's like got a lot of like the leftovers from the 60s. Mm-hmm. and like anti-establishment cinema but like also you're getting the like burgeoning you know rightward shift the country's about to take with reagan mm-hmm. um and i think there was a miscalculation that like everyone thought the youth was just going to inherently become more like anti-establishment and they did the exact opposite mm-hmm. and this movie is kind of that is kind of that with carradine's character yeah um yeah. although i think him calling uh marvin like an uh, individualistic character might be like a hint at like maybe the mistake this movie makes because i think the difference is that like he's kind of like a number one's like the man of the people you know like Mm -hmm. he goes and hangs with the hobo camp and i think a lot of hobo culture is about the sort of like collective like need to help each other you know Mm -hmm. and there's like that's like the old what was there was some movie recently that was like big about the hobo symbols that, that used to get put on houses I can't remember what movie it was, though. You know oh, what I'm fuck. talking about? I, I, I don't know. I, I think I remember something, too. Was it Candyman? No, it wasn't Candyman. Fuck. I mean, it might have come up in Candyman. Candyman had a lot of the symbol things, too, but that was... Yeah, going, yeah, going, and going. The, the whole thing's about, like, gentrification and yeah. you know, all that. Um, uh, but but there was some movie that was, like, Depression-era set that, like, was specifically about, like, you know, people used to put markings outside their house being, like, hey, if you're a hobo, come in for a free meal. Like, that was a real thing people used to do, which is a sort of collective action that I think is important to understand when fighting the establishment, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and this movie kind of turns him into more of, like, a cowboy-type character, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, which I think works, but it might, like, that, that's, it's a little bit of a conflict with the character. Um, yeah, but we do like, get a it, lot of the hobo camp and, like, the hobo's, like, and everyone's, like, pulling shit on each other like where they're trying to run a fast one on one of Shaq's guys to get him to bet you know mm-hmm. like we're like they're totally playing him see if he goes for the bait that's a really good scene yeah um and yeah and then it's like them they're all literally gambling on whether or not a number one can make it you know mm-hmm. which is just so fascinating uh and yeah and it's it is this weird like the more things change the more they stay the same where it's like him like he's like literally like tagging the places he gets to you know Mm-hmm. and like calling a shot and it's like that's graffiti culture you know yeah it's 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 kind of wild and it's just it is this sad like indictment of just this country's failure to get its shit together mm-hmm. <laughs> that like it is weird. i always thought that line in like batman begins where she's like the, the great depression never ended i'm like that's a weird line 
And like the more I look around, like it kind of didn't for a lot of people. Yeah. Like, you know, not just not just marginalized communities, just like it kind of like the money just kind of kept flowing upwards. And even in like the New Deal era. Wait. Do you mean to tell me there's no such thing as trickle down economics? Oh, I hate to I hate to bring that up. Oh I hate to fuck. Say there goes all my money in Dogecoin. <laughs> it is kind of funny that like even like right wing like economic people like will admit the trickle down economics don't work you know like mm-hmm. it's just a fact now but people still repeat it like it's a thing yeah probably because they know the term you know mm-hmm. and uh, like look if you think of like the world working on like an even keel like i guess that could kind of make sense you know it's like oh well if they make money then we'll make money too because it'll it'll you know you have to hit like every level has to be uh raised up equally but then if the world was equal there wouldn't be any levels already so like Mm -hmm. i don't know it's it's ridiculous i i just don't people don't seem to understand that at a certain point people turn into just black holes of money Mm -hmm. and it doesn't go anywhere it just like you've seen that picture of elon musk at like riding space mountain by himself oh my god i haven't seen that yeah it's like the fucking south park episode with cartman when he he buys the the fucking uh theme park so he can go on everything Mm -hmm. by himself and it's like, man, that's like, he doesn't even know how fucking sad his life is. And I don't give a shit about him, obviously. Um, he, he should be uh, not around. Um, but like, on some level, I'm like, fuck, that's like, that's just, there's nothing at the end of that money train. Well, it's that thing of like, the most evil people in this world are just like really hollow people. You know, like, they're mm-hmm. just, there's not much going on in there. And that's kind of the sad thing. Yeah. They're not like these Machiavellian people. They're just like kind of fucked up and just really boring. Yeah. Sorry. You're not Lex Luthor. They're not Shaq either. (laughs) You know, like Shaq's at least is Shaq's like a sadist. Yeah. He enjoys. He fucking loves killing poor people. Yeah. He loves killing poor people. It's disgusting. It's fucking, it's just wild that that's like his character trait. (laughs) <laughs> like it's not like like it feels like again the shitty version of this movie was made today would be like there'd be a scene where Shaq like says my father used to be a train man and he used to help the hobos but then a hobo stabbed him in the back and now I hate hobos like that feels like the stupid version of this yeah and instead Shaq's like no, I just fucking hate him I'm not gonna let him dirty up my train <laughs> like, and yeah I mean there's there's the whole story you need right there you know he's like no 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 I run this train the train needs to be efficient needs to be clean needs to be perfect these these variables these hobos are variables and they could mess it up yeah i don't want them to mess it up it's like uh, is that not like a, the entire class parable of the movie right there yeah and that's just hobo hatred in general you know yeah like that's just anti-homeless shit right there yeah like you're mentioning like the the anti-homeless like architecture specifically in california like these fucking benches that they're putting in now and shit and like i see it all around downtown too like mm-hmm. like just corners with like those weird spikes coming up and i'm like yeah like what does that do like you're just being an asshole. You're spending money to be like evil. You spent all this fucking money for these weird little advancements or, 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 or fucking uh, regressions, I guess. Mm-hmm. And all that money could actually go to like helping homelessness like be solved in a way that doesn't hurt anybody. Yeah, get them a fucking house. Yeah. Like, again, like, it's a, it's the thing. The only way to solve homelessness is to give these people houses. Like, no one wants to hear that, but it's the fucking truth. And that's why we'll never solve it because no one will do that. Like, 
it, that'll take like a massive groundswell to get something like that done. Not saying that won't happen. I'm just saying don't expect the government to do it. Oh yeah, no. If there's anything we've learned, it's that the government will literally do nothing unless we kind of ask them to politely and then mm-hmm. stop getting polite about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the government will always do awful shit. Yeah. The but they'll never do any of the good shit. So. You mean yeah. that that makes me optimistic too that people like are starting to see that like yeah. the, the government is designed this way to yeah. not do things. Hey, I, yeah, it, it should make you optimistic, but it's also the same thing that pushed me towards libertarianism in high school. Ah. Like, it's, that's, it, 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 there's no guarantee it'll go either way. Mm-hmm. Like, it, that's, I, I feel like a lot of people are going to come out of it just being like, we should not have government and just have corporations. Oh, no. Yeah. That, I, that's, it's just, that's what happens, you know? Mm-hmm. It's what happens when there's no fucking anti-war party in this country. Like, literally, if that existed, I think a lot more people would just go left in general because most people are against war. But news stations aren't. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, my God. All right. I'm just going to rant on here about an idiot friend of mine. Okay. Um, but uh, I can do it. He was, he was posting about, he always posts these things like, I bet you there's going to be another COVID scare this week, like implying that the news media is going to drum up COVID scares. <laughs> And like bring back like and then it's like that COVID is all some sort of scheme by like the news companies to like you know get more ratings right, which is like idiotic. Yeah. But the thing that does happen is the news do the news does play up war all the fucking time. <laughs> like we haven't shut. Why the fuck do we give a fuck about Ukraine in the way we do in this country? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that like we shouldn't have basic empathy for Ukraine, but like when you go out driving and you see that like people suddenly are waving Ukrainian flags around. Like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> like, we don't give a fuck about the dozens of other wars happening around the world, but suddenly we care about Ukraine. And it's like, A, it's because it's happening to white people. <laughs> and B, it's because the news hasn't shut the fuck up about Ukraine. And it's like, yeah, we're a war culture. <laughs> yeah. Everything in this country is driven just to grow war. Something that just kills people. <laughs> People are fucking dumb. I have nothing smart to say about that. That's <laughs> fine. It just, I was just like, I wanted to just be like, what, what do you think the news is trying to get one over on you with COVID? <laughs> like, what, what, what do you think they're trying to do to get you to watch like that you aren't what? And also, by the way, buddy, you're the only person I know in my life who actually watches the news. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I have friends that work in the news and I don't watch the news like, yeah. like, like well, at least in the way that it used to be watched, you know. You watch it when you're at the airport. Like, that's it. That doesn't mean we don't keep up with the news, by the way. Yeah, yeah, not... no, there's a big difference. <laughs> yeah. but like, the idea of like, oh, they're just trying to get a ratings boost. And I'm like, who the fuck is tuning in to CNN? Like, <laughs> it's like, oh, man, I better figure out what's going on with COVID this week. I got to fucking wait for Wolf Blitzer's take. (laughs) It's like in this age where like news is just everywhere. It's whatever. People are fucking dumb. Um, Hey, let's talk about the action scene in the fog. It's good. It's it's incredible. Holy shit. Was that a good sequence? Yeah. Is that the best part of the movie? I think it might be. That might be a problem with it is that like it peaks like there almost. Yeah. Like, because the stuff that happens after that is fun, but not as good. I uh, think the the throwdown in the, the final finale, showdown. I, I don't want to say too much because I know so many people haven't seen this movie. 
but the, the we can talk about the fog but the the ending i, I thought was outstanding so the final showdown is terrific even if the blood like looks really bad but... yeah but hey hey a lot of blood uh from movies in that era does look like that yeah you've seen you've seen dawn of the dead <laughs> yeah uh what a i mean dawn of the dead is like fucking perfect but yes <laughs> looks I like knew they're a taking guy. bites out of like chicken wings I knew a guy who was a big in like nerd circles and he did not like Dawn of the Dead because he did not like the look of the zombies in it. That was his whole take on Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, if you're one of those nerds, don't talk to me. <laughs> like, that's so annoying. I'm sorry. Those are the people. They dominate the discussion. They would never even watch a movie like this, which is why I guess a movie like this just doesn't get made. Maybe, yeah. Although I will do everything in my power to make hobos action stars again. Yeah. I mean, they should be. Like Robert Aldrich, John Carpenter. Mm. But can you imagine going into a studio and being like, I want to do a Robert Aldrich movie? Like, it just wouldn't fucking happen. No, no, you got to say Dirty Dozen. Like, oh, Suicide Squad, right. Well, no, now you can't do that because Suicide Squad bombed. Yeah. <laughs> Suicide Squad's a failed blockbuster. The That's the thing. Time. It's I, I, I don't feel like... Uh, any of the imitators have been successful either. Hmm. The, the longest the longest yard remake probably made money because it was Sandler. Yeah, I think it did. Yeah, it made 190 million. So chump change. That's what yeah. that is. In that era, that was still a lot of money. I know, I know. It's so fucked right now. Yeah. It's the system is really um, okay. Dumb. But let's talk about the fog action scene. How does one even conceive of a sequence like this? I bet you it's in because like they they reference that this is based on like two books, right? Like it's based on a Jack London novel, and it's based on a book by uh, Leon Ray Livingston, who used to use the alias A Number One. Um, wrote the Trail of the Hobo of the Tramp um, from coast to coast, with Jack London was the other one. Um, and I bet you that was just something that they brought up that like in during fog, it's easier to sneak onto a train, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know where they got literally everything else in that sequence, <laughs> but uh, God damn. And it just keeps going too. It's, it's another weird thing where it's such a long action set piece that you just don't expect from this era. Like it felt like action back in the day used to come in like short bursts, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's like a 10 minute long scene. <laughs> you know, it kind of like, this is something else I've been thinking about too, with like, in regards to film noir and neo-noir, you know, like uh, Shane Black, when he wrote Lethal Weapon, he wrote it as like a kind of more hard boiled neo-noir than like a action film noir, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, Cause like the movie, which I love, um, is, it definitely leans more into like the, the action crowd pleasing vibe of, of the, that story's capabilities. And like there are bursts of action in Lethal Weapon. There's not a lot of action in that movie yeah. until like the last 30 minutes, maybe. Yeah. Which is fine. I, I this is not a criticism. And I just find that so like interesting when movies that like have a certain reputation about being like action heavy, and it's like, no, there's not a lot in that movie. It opens with like a suicide of like a, a prostitute, mm-hmm. and then there's like mystery elements, there's uh some bursts of action. Then there's like a 45 minute run in that movie where it's just like the characters talking, trying to figure stuff out and getting to know each other. <laughs> like, yeah. And it's 
terrific. Hell, even Die Hard has a lot of downtime. And yeah. Like, it's, it's a lot of stops and starts. And I guess it's just this weird mentality of people, like, they only remember, like, Die Hard as being this nonstop action movie. Yeah, when I first showed it to some friends that hadn't seen it, um, they liked it, but they were, like, I think they were initially underwhelmed because they just, like, oh, the reputation, they just thought it had, like, you know, it was going to be, like, title card, Die Hard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, like, not that. It's, like, a... <laughs> so... I don't know. It's it's movies are, are so different now than how they used to be. Again, not a good or bad thing, but it's nice to have some variety. There, there are definitely movies that like are action from like the get go that can like maintain that energy the whole time. Yes, like, there are definitely... like Michael Bay's Ambulance. Sure, I haven't seen it yet. You um, might like it. Uh, sure. <laughs> but uh, I mean, like, like I'm, I'm not saying like one is good or bad. It's just it feels like we're leaning heavy to the one, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just. I don't know. You hope the shift comes, but <clears throat> you know, I think I've talked about like my weird obsession with like react culture on YouTube mm-hmm. and it is kind of funny watching people like go back to these movies and being like, wow, I didn't expect to like this old movie that much. And like, I'm just like, is anyone picking up on the, like what these movies have that newer movies don't have? Like that's all I'm hoping for, you know? Yeah. Cause Again, I'm not, I don't even want to say that like what we have is bad. It's just the fact that it's all we have is bad. Mm-hmm. And it drives me a little nuts. Yeah. And bring back hobos. Just do that. That's all I want, at least. Can we, <laughs> can we hit that bar? Is there a homeless superhero? There should be. That's oh, what, well, you know that what? what? Here, uh, the PlayStation Spider Man game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peter Parker, no one talks about this. Peter Parker is homeless through like, 90 percent of that game mm. he loses his apartment in like one of the first missions and then he's living out of uh the, the feast area yeah the, the, Aunt the May shelter. shelter area yeah mm-hmm. um that that feels very pointed and no one no one talks about that with that game was uh was hancock um homeless hancock was homeless yeah yeah he also doesn't like get a home in that movie so it's like there you go spider-man and hancock my two favorite superheroes. <laughs> this remake like this dude tonight he comes. No. The original script. <laughs> no, sorry. Thought, you know, I said no immediately. Why? I remember the, the the cut scene of him having sex with that one lady. Oh, yeah. And then he has to, like, get her off before he ejaculates because it's like a bullet. Yeah, which is uh, the same joke people have been making about Superman since, like, mall rats. <laughs> yeah. I... But. I'm glad that scene got cut. <laughs> so, I don't, I don't yeah. think I, I, I need to. I don't care about that. I like this. Here's here's something. I just went to the Hancock Wikipedia, and it, I'm reading about the development of it. Here's here's the two sentences back to back of that, like uh, where did things go wrong? Um, the draft about a troubled twelve year old and a fallen superhero was initially picked up by director Tony Scott as a potential project. Producer Akiva Goldsman came across the script. <laughs> I don't know. I just find that funny. Tony Scott could have made that into something like unbelievable. Yeah, it was. It was gonna. It was man almost did it. Like, I remember. That's the crazy thing. Yeah, he still like, produced it. Yeah. yeah. Allegedly, he's in it. I guess I'll have to rewatch Hancock. I, I think he's one of the executives in like a boardroom scene. He's pitching heat too back in 2008. <laughs> oh man, I you know what? I don't know if I want a heat too. I've heard the book is like kind of incredible. 
I, yeah, but that doesn't mean I want to heat too. All right, here's what you do because the story takes place in like pre 1995 and like post 2002 with the surviving characters. Here's my roster. You ready? Mm. Pre 1995 for uh, I saw you post now. about it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So you got Neil McCauley as Christian Bale. All right. As pre 1995, he's going to be older than the other cast members. I'm about to say, but. Again, he's only going to show up in the pre-1995 material. And then 2002, you get Vincent Hanna, who's played by Robert Pattinson, and Chris Hemsworth as Chris Shirley's. Do you think that he's just going to go all in on de-aging? No, I, I don't think he would. I think he's like a guy who likes doing a lot of stuff in camera. Yeah, but the guy who also pushed digital filming? I mean, maybe. If anyone can do it, he can fucking do it. It's like him and James Cameron. Mm-hmm. Although only James Cameron gets credit for it. I don't know. I, 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 Michael Mann made Black Hat work and that movie shouldn't work, but yeah. it does. It didn't work initially. <laughs> no, I, it still did. No, no, but like it bombed horribly. Oh, yeah, like, that's a failed blockbuster. <laughs> yeah. I don't so, know. It's got, it's got potential. Bring I think a man could do a movie with a hobo. He probably could, although it'd have to be like a number one, like to his logical extreme. He's <laughs> like, he can't do movies about people who aren't experts. <laughs> I know. Uh, well, there's a hobo in the opening of Heat. Um, yeah, but he's like, it's got he was an actual different. homeless person. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't. I thought that was uh someone else. No, no. There's an actual homeless person uh, who would walk around with like a, a TV and like a shopping cart. Yeah, and then they just use him for the uh, for the background of that scene. And oh, okay, yeah, I thought there was this guy. Maybe I'm thinking of someone else. Um, who's that guy? There's there was a guy he like looks homeless but like isn't, but like he's played a homeless guy in like a thousand movies. <laughs> and like in like not like showy ways either, because hmm. I think I... he just shows up on film sets. I don't know. I can't think of who I'm thinking of though. But hey, yeah, put more homeless people in movies. What the fuck, man yeah instead of the weird like we're afraid of cancel culture we're afraid of the homeless or afraid of the mentally ill see that's how no way home should have ended with him being homeless yes i mean whatever i know you don't care i i I just care about spider-man too much to not have something to chime in there that movie should have just not started (laughs) (laughs) it's the only good way to end that fucking movie Wow. All right, wow. Emperor of the North. I mean, how, how much more do we want to say? What's like, the really, better it's... title? What was that? What's the better title? Emperor of the North or Emperor of the North Pole? I like Emperor of the North more. Here's the Emperor, a... Emperor of the North sounds better, right? And yeah. It's the one I say, and it's my, it was my username, basically, mm-hmm. <laughs> on... Whenever I saw this movie about a decade ago was when I made my first Tumblr account, I think. Mm-hmm. And so th- that was my username on Tumblr, which is why it's been my username forever. Um, but Emperor of the North Pole actually makes sense. <laughs> so I'm a little conflicted here. Although all the best posters for this movie say Emperor of the North. So I think I gotta buy one. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I've assembled, this will be out by the time this episode's out, like 100%. um, But I assembled a quick little roundup of 
images, uh, posters for the this season's failed blockbuster retrospect is that I'm going to share on Twitter on the day of recording. And I couldn't really find a super high quality version of Emperor of the North, but it works because I kind of put them all into a single file and like uh-huh. it doesn't, it, it, you won't be able to tell it's like 720p or whatever. But uh, I don't know. I, I want I want a poster of this. Yeah. With the explosion behind Lee Marvin and Ernest Borgnine. Well, the one the one that I really like is one that just says, if you can ride Shaq's train and live, you'll be Emperor of the North. Yeah, that, that's the one that's on the thing. Yeah. <laughs> I like that, yeah. Great movie. They would never make it today. Um, I, I honestly, I went to watch it. I wasn't sure how I was going to feel because it's one of those where like, I don't know, like sometimes, you know, like when like a movie like hits you at the right time and you just kind of become obsessed with it a little bit. Yeah. And I was just kind of obsessed with the wild dialogue that Lee Marvin is given in this movie. Oh, he's fucking just going all in. I'm like, these are the most mythic, important speeches a man has ever said. Yeah. And it's like, and it's, it's great because he's, he's a hobo. <laughs> he's mm-hmm. nothing. There is a tape of me out there. I took, I think I've told this story. I took a public speaking class uh in high school my last year of high school and i did ned Beatty's speech from network as part of my and i did the final monologue from this movie um which is a weird one to do because you're basically both of those are weird because you're yelling both of them mm-hmm. like ned Beatty's at least slows down lee marvin he's yelling from the back of a train as it goes away which is kind of ridiculous but hey the speech is great yeah, so, no, I thought about that when I was watching. I was like, there's no way you'd be able to hear him, but whatever. This is awesome. It's a bum's world for a bum. Like, oh, it's great. Movie's so fucking good. I like I yeah, I, I I'm glad I'm just glad you liked it, I guess. And I am glad uh it held up on rewatch. And I hope that the five people that listen to this fucking show all check it out and don't leave some fucking ridiculous fucking review that's like yeah it was good for like the first half but then it kind of slowed down because it does kind of slow down for a bit but it's not like awful slowed down yeah you fuckers it's like intentional you know yeah. just make sure when you have the juice you also have the heart yeah and you gotta watch the movie to <laughs> and they go together much. kid yeah <laughs> <laughs> watch the movie and you'll understand so now you have to all of you uh matt this is our shortest retrospective in a while thank yeah, you for joining it's... me um yeah we're on a time crunch today unfortunately so i'm like rushing through it a little bit no it's Um, it's fine i mean this way people can go in as blind as possible to the movie where hobos fight a train that is the thing like most of the times i i can assume that most people have seen it or have had like this is one where like you kind of have to tell people to go to archive.org to find a copy you know Mm -hmm. otherwise it's only available on dvd currently um Holy shit, $45 for a DVD copy of Emperor of the North? Are you fucking kidding me? I'd pay for that. Well, it's only $20 on Blu-ray, so... Oh, wait, what the fuck? <laughs> what the oh, fuck? It's, a, it's a Spanish Blu-ray. Oh, no, no, I'm good. I'm uh, covered. I don't know about uh, the rest of you people. All right, uh, the other version is $188 on Blu-ray. Um, hey, someone re-release this, please. Who the fuck is sitting on these rights? I know, I know. It's always a stupid fucking bullshit. Yeah, like that's what stop about... the Shane Black Doc Savage from happening. What? Ha- what's some that? random fucking people didn't agree with the right stuff. Oh yeah, 
I mean, you never know. Those are always stories where someone got screwed out of like millions or something like that. That's always possible too. You're right. You're right. Although, is anyone connected to Doc Savage alive? Like, <laughs> uh, maybe it's like a family estate thing. And so you're you're right. You're right. It's always important to keep that in mind. It's always important to keep that in mind, but it's also like, yeah, it, or it could just be a Spider-Man thing where like seven companies think they own the rights. Mm-hmm. Or whoever made Doc Savage the man of bronze in like 1982 or whatever thinks that they got it. <laughs> I think it was 75. Holy shit. <laughs> um, another field blockbuster. Yeah, yeah, it happens. Is a script out there for Shane Black's Doc Savage? Yes. I I I fell off a truck just right in front of my house. Oh um, hey. It just it I I don't, I don't know. Allegedly. All right. All right. Allegedly, so, it's uh, well. Maybe we could do a failed blockbuster in that the movie so failed it never even got made. No, the no. screenplay. That's not the worst idea. Does Shane Black have any failed blockbusters that we haven't talked about? Um. Well, have we talked about Nice Guys? Like, I, like, look, we've talked about movies, but like, have we gone in on Shane Black? Uh, just for the Predator. <laughs> yeah, just the Predator. <laughs> everyone's favorite Shane Black no we haven't oh you know what we haven't done Nice Guys or The Long Kiss Goodnight or Kiss Kiss Bang Bang yeah and Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is also like basically a flop yeah you know yeah no Um, no no it is he he has said that he had to go like on his hands and knees uh for jobs after that which is so that's so stupid it's fucking ridiculous the the guy who invents like the modern action movie (laughs) just fucking but what happens why does every time like his movie comes out like it just it just doesn't click like i don't know the nice guys really felt like it should have been the one because like that one they actually did promote yeah everyone who saw the trailer loved it i know it was one of those like i this one i remember people being like this could be a new classic if it's good like that was the actual buzz around that movie before it came out and then like it like i think people saw it but not like a lot of people saw it yeah well it came out I think at the wrong time. And it's like perfect for like a crowd pleaser, but Captain America Civil War kind of dominated that. Yeah, year. you know what? Those fuckers. Yeah. That that's, must have been what it was. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the worst Marvel movie. Yeah. Ruined be, Shane Black. That that's gotta be Warner Brothers' fault then. Cause like, why would they be that stupid? Yeah. I'm right. you know, no credit to Joel Silver, the man. But mm-hmm. as a producer, I feel like he he could have fought harder to like change that shit yeah but maybe they thought maybe they genuinely thought it was going to be i think it just kept being that thing of people being like this is going to be the year that people are finally done with marvel and then it just never happened Mm -hmm. Uh, but you know what i remember this is like really depressing i remember from like the press junket run shane black was like you know like maybe instead of going to watch captain america six times go five times and go one time to our movie yeah (laughs) i was like jesus this guy made iron man 3 iron man 3 made a fucking billion dollars for them Mm -hmm. that iron man 3 is honestly the one that is like that's what cements marvel is going to be like this unstoppable juggernaut you know like that's some people still call it the best one and i'm not going to fight them on that yeah it is the best one but uh it's just that's the one where because like everyone's like well what's going to happen after avengers because up until that point they had only the other like thor one and captain america one had like done moderately well but not like great and i think in the long run we're actually like money losers mm-hmm. and then iron man 3 comes out and makes a billion dollars and it's like oh marvel's just gonna fucking print money see here's forever. the fucking problem this has nothing to do with emperor of the north anymore but i'm gonna say yeah. it anyways 
Uh, Shane Black is really good at writing like character drama mixed with action, and, like, and no one wants it. no one wants that shit anymore. But he did it with Iron Man three so well that people are still convinced that these other movies are going to do that well. Mm-hmm. Even if they don't like Iron Man three, they think they're getting like fulfilling character stories from them. And very often they're not. I'll go to bat for some of them. Most of the time, nothing really matters with them. So mm-hmm. who cares? Fuck Hollywood. Fuck movies. Go watch Emperor of the North on archive.org for literally free. Yeah, it's it's free. You you fucking you I guess it makes sense. Free? Yeah, I guess it makes sense that a movie about hobos would be on that site. But <laughs> it it almost seems like it's required by law. Well, hey. Because that's the easy. strong that's a thing people actually use against the fucking library in this country, mm-hmm. is that they attract hobos. Like that's a thing I've heard the argument made. So fucking stupid. Mm-hmm. Well, here let let this knowledge help you rest easy in that the the film currently has eleven thousand six hundred ninety two views on archive.org. There you go. So at least eleven thousand people have seen it. It's been or- logged uh, three thousand three hundred times on Letterboxd, mm-hmm. and has seven hundred eighty seven likes. Okay, that's not that's not the lowest. So. It's a page two uh, letterbox film. Mm. What does that mean? It means that when you go to the year 1973, you have to go to page two before it comes up. Oh. But hey. Oh. Too many people watching whatever's on Criterion this week. Like Fantastic Planet or Robin Hood. That's a Disney Plus one. Hmm. <laughs> Well, where can the people find you talking about Emperor well, of the North? Well, they can find me at EmperorOTN at Twitter.com. Oh, there's no more one? Oh, yeah, there's still one. Oh, okay. A number one. Hey, <laughs> there, you, there you go. That's your excuse now. You can find me at the Diego Crespo. Check out the Waffle Press on Twitter, YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, and Patreon. Uh, get some early access to other episodes we're going to be recording. I can't tell you how many, but there's five right now including this one that you can listen to so go go do that uh thanks for listening thanks for watching like and subscribe if you didn't like this episode like and subscribe anyways because you might find something you do like but let's be honest you like this episode because it's about emperor of the north and because it was short for once (laughs) it was short uh thanks for listening thanks for watching we have been professionally unprofessional wait so long oh we gotta pick the next film i gotta do the next one okay 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 you know what I almost forgot, but I did have my little tab open. So let me let me run down the numbers really quick. Okay, you ready? Yes. Our next film is Monkey Bone. Monkey Bone. <laughs> I know nothing about this movie. Oh no. <laughs> Other than it's, it's a Henry Selleck movie, and it has Brendan Fraser, and I remember the trailers, and this was the the peak of my mummy fandom, and I was like, oh, I want to see Brendan Fraser. I never saw it. Well, there's a reason. Um, there's a reason why a lot of people didn't see it. Um, people like it, though. Yeah, Dan Doherty. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we're doing Monkey Bone. All right, Monkey Bone. Okay. They put, they put uh, Chris Kattan on the poster <laughs> instead of Bridget Fonda. I'm sure that's a good sign. Um, I, yeah, it definitely, definitely is. Remember Chris Kattan? I do. All right, if you go to Chris Kattan 
on Letterboxd. Don't do it. But if you so do, close. <laughs> don't do it. But if you do, what is the the most watched movie he's been in? On uh, what's that one movie with Will Ferrell, Night at the Roxbury? That's number three. Whoa. So he's got two more. What the fuck else has he been in? No offense to the man. I like him as an actor. <laughs> Believe it or not, they are movies where I bet you he has what could be charitably described as cameo roles. Okay, well then I'm never going to guess. Uh, I guess he's buddies with this man. He's in Hotel Transylvania 2 mm. and The Ridiculous Six. Oh. So, well. cashed in on uh, Corky Romano isn't in the top ten. <laughs> Chris Catan retrospective? Absolutely not. Thanks for listening. Thanks Catan for watching. isn't in uh Chris Catan isn't in um Southland Hells, is he? No, no. He's not. It feels like he should be. He, I get what you I know exactly what you mean. like that's got definitely his era SNL guys in it. Like, <laughs> and John Lovitz. And Kevin Smith. Oh yeah, as a like as an Iraq war veteran. That's an and incredible like, film. Old man makeup. Oh my god, I love it so much. He, just, he explains time travel with Booger from Revenge of the Nerds and Sheldon Rubenstein to The Rock. Oh my god. Why didn't we, neither of us thought of that. I think we did, but we trimmed some away. But yeah, I guess we'll have to talk about our, our thought process next yeah. time. Yes. All right. Again, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We've been professionally unprofessional. Now it's over. So long, kid.